Welcome to another edition of Day 4 with the man Frank Scalish. Day 4, I believe it's number 128, Frank. We're climbing. We're climbing. How are things going in the lovely state of Ohio this morning? Well, they're going way better than they were last week at this time. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been talking to you and you sent me a picture. Yeah. And it was, uh, it looked like chaos in the streets of Cleveland Heights. It was, it was, we actually had for the first time since they started recording it, we had a tornado touchdown in downtown Cleveland. Um, and it was probably four miles from my driveway and it literally ripped wires off the telephone poles and you know, the big silver things, those, uh, I don't know what they are. They're on the telephone pole. Yeah. Knocked them off the telephone poles. There were wires down for forever. So we were without power from Thursday of last week until Sunday night, this Sunday I, night. I did not see a generator in the uh, Scalish residence. Was there? Do you have a generator out? In- my buddy, my buddy Brian called me, said, you still don't have power. I said, no. I said, you got, I got, you know, I, me and Todd, the prop guy, we went in on a cow and we bought a cow and I had yeah. uh, loaded my fridge freezer up with it downstairs and i'm like i'm losing all this meat so i got my buddy's generator we hooked it up to the re- refrigerator freezer upstairs and the freezer downstairs and so i saved all the food which well everything in the refrigerator i threw out but, yeah. but the freezer was good i went out when the power went out i went I went to a gas station and bought like 10 bags of ice Smart. And, and shoved them in all the freezers this way. Um, it would maintain the temperature in the freezer and then uh, hooked the generator up. And then I was solid. I mean, I didn't give a crap about not having lights because I have, I have a gas stove and I have a gas water heater. Uh, so you had hot water and you could cook and I could cook. So I made, you know, in the morning I just made cowboy coffee you know, roll it up in a filter, wrap it up in a screen, throw it in a boiling pot of water and, you know, good to go. I've never done that. Yeah. It's a little thick, but it's good. <laughs> We're both coffee and, guys in the morning too. Oh, hundred percent. And it was, and I was using, uh, I, the irony of it is it was, it was a uh, firehouse, um, black rifle fi- firehouse. I think they right. call it. We do that every morning. We sit there, we get on, or you get on around. You're you're on usually around uh eight, ten, nine, ten year time, gives yeah. us twenty minutes, talk a little bit about the show, and then with about eight minutes left, we both say, All right, time to go refill the coffee, and then we disappear <laughs> and then come back. But uh a, a cool show today. We're gonna dive into a little bit of the backstory because we've had we're we're over two years of day four in. I mean, heck, yeah. this is a uh, hundred and twenty-eight. That's hard Episodes. to believe. It is hard to believe. But I don't think I know the story of how you got into painting and designing. Like, I I mean, obviously, everyone knows you fished the Bassmaster Elite Series. You fished the Opens. You fished all that. But I I don't think that you've kind of gone behind the scenes as to how. Because there's a bunch of guys that are getting into it because of you right now, Frank. Yeah, which is kind of it's kind of neat. I see a lot of stuff. Some of the guys are painting. I try to follow all the painters I can. Um, just because creativity is, if creativity works like this, at least for me, it does. Um, I create, when I create something, if I have an idea, 
of a color or a lure or what have you. It's usually to fill a void. Um, mm -hmm. Like when I made the speed end, Norman had a missing link in it. And I needed a bait that would, that would track tight, light, you know, very little pitch and roll, mostly wobble and vibration, but tight. So it would excel in the cold water spring periods, um, you know, on those 45 degree sloping rock banks, boulder, you know, boulder banks when the fish are staging for pre-spawn. They're not quite pre-spawn yet. It's right before the pre-spawn. And I needed a bait to do that. So I, I monkeyed around with um, creating that bait. And then what I wound up doing was I wound up grinding a bill off of a deep little end. Um, putting a quasi square bill on it. Um, and then I had to mess with the angle to get it to do what I wanted it to do. And by the time I got done, I got a bait that I was happy with and catching fish on. Um, that's the bait design. And then it almost won the classic. Yeah, it, it did actually. Um, the guys were, I didn't know that it. at the time. I mean, I would have been, had a massive rooting interest in it because I remember I was at the press yeah. conference with, uh, Stetson Blaylock and Micah Frazier. Mm-hmm. And 100%. they both were talking about this new Norman speed Norman speed end. And mm -hmm. they're on live. Blaylock was on live in that marina, catching them on it, boat flipping, showing. But I, at the time, you know, that was I knew who you were, but I had no idea you had any part of that. It would have been nice to have a little rooting interest in that. <laughs> yeah, it would have been it would have been apropos, as yeah. they say. But yeah, so so it's so crazy enough. Um you know, I, I was talking to the powers to be at Pradco and, um, I, you know, crazy enough, I said, those guys in the classic got to get this bait because it's going to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, on Gunnersville, you know, on Gunnersville that time of year, this is going to go. And so he's like, we're on it. Don't worry. They got them. And I said, OK, cool. And I never, you know, you, you, you as an angler and everybody listening as an angler goes, um, the Bassmaster Classic is truthfully not the time to experiment with a new bait. <laughs> I mean, you got you know you're fishing for everything, so you 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 want to have your confidence lures, yeah. you know, handy. And so and so I was really impressed that that those guys had enough faith in in my design that um, they would experiment with it at the Classic, and it turned out to be. Um, really great. I think we had three top 10 finishes with that bait um, being part of those finishes. So it really worked out well, but um, you know, my design, my designing is always based out of a need, a void, and that's it. Um, now my lure colors, on the other hand, I designed um, the, the here, here's the truth of the matter. I got into lure painting because of my fly tying um, way back in the day, I was traveling across the country, bass fishing. You, you all know that. And um, we would always go to Sanibel Island in the spring, my family and I, and um, I brought my fly rods with me cause I was going to be close. And I, and, and in between two events, I would go down to Sanibel, spend the time with the kids, the wife, and then go back on tour. And so, as fate may have it, um, I never really fly fished in the salt water. And I had gotten there the first time I ever went. I got out there and, and yeah, I didn't really know 
I mean, I knew what I was doing to catch fish, but I didn't really understand finer points. Right. And so, uh, you know, I would catch a fish here and I would catch a fish there. Mostly, mostly speckled trout, some small pompano, lady fish, you know, typical, typical near shore stuff. And, um, at any rate, what happened was, um, this gang of bait fish swam all around me and they were literally all around me. And as the tide was ripping out, they were using my current block to get, to get behind. So I had all these bait fish and they're literally like touching up against my thighs. So I looked at them in the water, looked at them in the water and I'm like, holy crap, I got to make flies that look like them. So I went to a tackle shop down there, but they didn't have any fly tying equipment. So what I did was I looked at all their saltwater jigs with their synthetic fibers and bucktail fibers and everything. And I started picking lures out that had the colors I wanted in them. I went back to the condo. I cut all the fur and stuff off of these baits and tied my own flies. And then when I went out the next day and literally slaughtered them. Like it was, it was ludicrous. The, the speckled trout I was catching was absolutely ludicrous. And so then, so from that point on, really, um, you know, I said color matters. And so then I really got deep, I deep dove into the colors. I mean, I painted crankbaits as a kid, mm-hmm. but mostly I made them look like real things like a bluegill or a crappie or, a, you know, creek chub or whatever. But but, but now, um, you know, I took it to a way different level, way different level. We'll dive into that, but we can't go more than 10 minutes into the show without a hearty congratulations, Uncle Frank. Uh, September, October 2023, Bassmaster Magazine, the Bassmaster Magazine, the 500th edition of Bassmaster Magazine. <laughs> and uh, he got a feature article by none other than Mr. Mark Hicks, a, a four-page beauty in Bassmaster yeah. magazine. I know I got to give a shout out to Mark. Mark and I go way back actually. It's um, called Mark. Paint Your Own Crankbait. Yeah. How long have you known Mark? Oh my gosh, since I started fishing semi pro when I was probably 19 or 18. I've known him. And then when I fished Bassmasters, he did a lot of articles with me then. That's a, that's actually a great color that you've got there that's that's the bomber fat free seven um you can get that color it's um electric shad is what i call it very cool so this is what i found cool because we were talking about this so here is the bait you know uh i'll just read a little bit for those that are listening ohioan frank scalish a former Bassmaster elite series pros but his penis is his holy cow <laughs> you better rephrase that little little Mitch McConnell moment there. Ohio and Frank Scalish, <laughs> a former Bassmaster Elite Series pro, has been painting his own crankbaits, jerkbaits, and topwater lures for decades. His wildlife sketches with pen and pencil attest to his artistic ability. For the past several years, Scalish has been devising new colors for hard baits made by Bomber Norton, Norman, Hedden, Rebel, and other brands under the LureNet banner. Uh, and then it goes into spray painting essentials, airbrush, air compressor, painting it. Basically, it's like a day four that you've done in the past in, in written form. 
except Correct. it's in in Bassmaster, and then uh, actually goes a step by step on painting your own crankbait. So that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit uh, of just we'll go through the article, but then I, I kind of want to go back to how you got into it as a kid because it's okay. easy to say, oh, I saw it and I knew, but man, there has to be an origin or something that there is that got you into it. But this is cool. Uh, you have. I, I have that original bait. Bl blow that bait up. If you can blow that, if you can blow that bait up. Hold just on. The, I know what you're trying to do. I got it. I got it. Here's you. what I'm trying to do. That's not right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Oh, this is impressive to me. Here, so I'll... this is the bait in the in the article. That's yeah. the actual bait that the picture in the Bassmaster magazine is taken from, right? Correct. This so is, this is the that's the bait. Word. That's pretty cool. So if you're looking at your Bassmaster at home, I'll tell you what I like about the picture in the magazine. You can see you can see all my lime marbling on this crankbait, mm -hmm. but it really shows up in the magazine photo. My my cameraman actually took that picture, and it came out so good. But yeah, so here's the underneath of it. There you That's go. That's really cool. There's the underneath of it. And it says, with enough practice, you can turn old lures into works of art. This is one of Scalish's favorite creations. Yeah, I love this bait. Um, I love this bait just for the, just for the effects I have on it. Mm-hmm. You know. So if you're traveling to say uh, the Bassmaster Classic in March, and you're looking for something. Uh, something maybe to put on your wall, like say, bring this Bassmaster magazine, and you could like maybe sign that right there, right? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. There you go. Now we well, got something. Do you also have so on the next page on the paint your own crankbait? There's the step by step of paint. Yeah. So 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 what I did was I paint. I took pictures. The, those pictures on the step by step, unfortunately, are from my cell phone. But I took those pictures. Now they look great. I, I actually took those pictures as a tutorial to send to, so when they manufacture the bait, they get each step process correct. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I did that. And then those details in the magazine are very um, trimmed, let's say, um, <laughs> because they couldn't put everything that I have written down on there on this magazine it would be 20 pages but um but here's that here's that one that's the actual bait that's in yeah that this is, is this, this bait right here that is that bait right there let me try see if i can get it there we go wow that is that bait right there that's pretty cool i mean this is bassmaster man it doesn't get any bigger than that when it comes to fishing magazines so the stripe is unique oh hold on Okay, oh, that so would have been a great live moment. It would have been so <laughs> a the, number two through the index. Oh, that would be perfect. So the stripe is unique because the stripe has purple pearl on it. It's white with purple pearl. Um, it's white pearl actually, white pearl with purple pearl. The stripe has it. You can almost see it in the tail of the crankbait right now. Yep, on the screen. Okay, the the back is pearled. Crap, I don't even remember what color it is, but like a like a lime truce pearl. Yeah. But I created that by laying down tinted pearls over it. 
and then put the marbling on top of that. So you can see the back has kind of got a green pearl to it. The belly has a, a blue pearl to it. I'm trying to get you to see the pearls. Yep. And I'm zooming in on what you're showing too on the boy. Look at that. Right. So the belly has like a blue pearl to it and the stripe is a purple pearl over over white pearl so this bait um the irony of that is i've been fishing this bait for a while um this one is actually th this bait here and this bait here are coming out in a few weeks um on lure net with a bunch of other norman oh really yeah so they'll be it'll be available i'll let you guys know but it's real close we're close to getting them on lure net like i mean weeks close and um I'll let you know when they come out, but there's a handful of other colors. So I, so what I do is when I, I know I'm kind of off track and I apologize for there that. There is no track on this show, Frank. So, so like, this is my, this is my tr pure gizzard chad. This is a true gizzard chad color right here. Um, this is like the real deal. This is what they look like. Okay. So, so, so on the, on this one. All right. Um, I had been fishing it and I've been catching them really good on it. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you'll see some pictures I got mm -hmm. with that bait. Um, I've been catching them really good on it. So uh, there's a couple of lakes that are, that I fish that are super, super, super clear water. And so I, I was, this bait doesn't look like this in the water, which is unbelievable, but it actually looks it looks alive. It, it doesn't have, it doesn't look like you see it here. So when you put it in the water, the whole thing changes. It's unbelievable. So I was trying it out on that clear lake and, um, oh my God, dude, they wanted it big time. They wanted it big, big, big time. So I said, okay, cool. Well, the other day I had a friend of mine come in. We went fishing the other day and the lake I was on was off color. You could see down maybe two feet. Um, and I was throwing this bait and it had a completely different appearance in that off color water. It looked white in the off color water and it just shimmered the pearls. So I was like, oh my God, this thing's like a chameleon. You know what I mean? So it's become a, it's become a, I have th this on and that bomber electric shad that you, that was in the picture in the Bassmaster magazine, the one where I'm holding up the fish, that electric shad. Um, those are, those are on my rods first, these two colors first. And, um, and and that day that we did that electric shad, we were actually filming the bomber video because the new colors, all, all my new colors were coming out in bomber, the next gen series. And I don't know how many bass we caught between three and five pounds. I couldn't even guess, but I can tell you this. It was nonstop. I had two, two rock piles that were, it was literally every cast non-stop for a half hour it was it was ridiculous and then we needed more b-roll so we went at me and joe my camera guy um who actually has the hunt fish shoot channel but my camera guy joe and i we went back a couple days later because he's like dude we got to get some different b-roll so i said yeah okay let's go so we went back and i go what do you want me to do and he goes just start catching fish 
So I'm like, okay. So I pull up to this place and it, and it was exactly the same deal. It was cast after cast after cast. And it was unbelievable. It was one of the best crankbait days I've had in a long time where I could honestly That's tell awesome. you that I, pr- I don't know how many 25 pound limits I caught in one oh, day. So big I, ones. Oh yeah, dude. I, I, all of them. I even had some six pounders in the mix. That's a lost art these days. I feel like the deep crank with everything that's going on in the industry and the forward-facing sonar is kind of a lost art. I had a a tournament this past weekend, and it was the first time in a couple years that we got on a legitimate deep crank bite, and it was the coolest thing ever. I forgot what it's like to get a plug down there 12 to 15 foot. (laughs) You're cranking, you're cranking, and then you load up, and you just feel, and you're like, got him. Oh, yeah. It's one of the best feelings in fishing. Well, I love it because you most of the time you're appealing to a, a bigger class of bass. Yeah. Um, so I really like I like I'm I'm like I dig the big crankbait bites. Um uh Creatix you know. brand acrylic. There was a question someone said uh fire it up there. Uh, Createx, yeah. Uh, yeah, Scott was wanting to know what paint company and what clear coat. Okay, so I, I use a lot of Createx. Uh, waterborne paint. I like the Wicked series a lot because the Wicked series is semi-transparent. Um, so you can do coat if you want it to get it nice and heavy. You can do multiple thin coats. Remember, you don't want to glob on one solid coat. Like like solvent-based paint, you can cover in one coat, but solvent-based paint for the home painter especially is dangerous to use because the uh, VOCs as they leach out of that solvent based paint create nerve damage. If you're not masked properly or you don't have proper ventilation. Um, So I I actually got rid of all my solvents and, and went um, to all waterborne. Mm -hmm. Um, And so createx I found to be fantastic there's other there's other paints, but you have to remember some. This is going to get detailed. Um, That's fine. That's what we're doing. Goes go detailed, Frank. Okay, so so Createx, and there's another high end paint, and forgive me because I I honestly forgot the freaking brand. So forgive me, but you paint that goes through these design brushes like you know the Iwata Eclipse and your paches and all your other, you know, fine art airbrushes. The the tips are small. So the best paints to use, okay, are paints that don't have thick pigment in them. Now, they all look liquidy, but some paints have thicker pigment, which won't go through your guns very good. So Createx and this other brand, and I'm going to look it up for you, and then I'll tell you on Thursday what it is. They're refined, so they're super thin, so they go through the gun really well. And people say, well, just thin it out better. And you can thin it out better, and it'll go through your airbrush, but you're losing the pigment, and eventually it's going to plug up the tip of your airbrush mm-hmm. because it's not fine enough pigment. So I stick with... I don't, I don't, don't be afraid to spend money on the paint. The paint's not the most expensive part of the process, but if you buy inexpensive 
paint at a hobby shop that's not necessarily a brand name the pigment is not reduced fine enough to go through your gun ppg and, that's what frank jr saying right but ppg is an automotive paint that's a completely different story. oh so that's not the one you were thinking of no i do use a lot of ppg stuff thought wrong frank jr right he, he's on the right track but i didn't get to the ppg stuff there <laughs> okay. um I use a lot of PPG stuff and I use a lot of house of color stuff, but mostly what I'm using with those companies is their pearls. Okay. Because their pearls come in, you can get them two ways. You can get them in a powder form, which is how I prefer them because then I can mix my own pearls using a clear base, not clear coat, a clear base. And, and Createx has a clear base. Basically it's clear paint. And so I can put my pigment, my pearl pigments in there and create my own intensities with the pearl by overloading it or underloading it or mixing several pearls together. Okay, so all this stuff you'll find out as you start to dive into painting on your own, basically. Okay, so the other thing to remember is I said I like the Wicked series a lot because it's semi-transparent. So here's what happens with that. For example, on, on this bait here, okay, I can pearl up the chartreuse because it's semi-transparent, so I'll put pearl into the actual paint itself, and then I'm, I'm pearling it. The other trick I do is I pearl the base. So, like, if you go to the, Matt, go to the part of the magazine where I have the step-by-step -step process. I'm going to then go to the white one. It looks white in the magazine, but go to the white one um, and blow it up. And I'll explain this in, as easy as I can explain it right now. That base, okay, it looks white. But if you notice, the gut portion of that bait is more solid than the side portion. The side's semi-transparent. So here's what I did. I dusted it with white. And I held it way far away from the gun and just dusted it with white so it's transparent. So I got a little mist on the bait. And if you hold it up, it would be transparent. Then I took, um, on that particular bait, I, I either used white pearl or silver and did it again far away, dusted it with the white pearl. Then I dusted it with a platinum. It was still transparent. So now I've got a transparent pearly base to it. Then when I laid out, when I laid down all my other colors, since they're, see, you can see through this bait, really. Yep. So when I laid down all my other colors, my pearls came through the bait. You follow me? So that's why I like the Wicked series, because it doesn't go on heavy and cover. It's semi-transparent. So if I want to make a solid bait, like, for example, the back on the shad is solid. Mm -hmm. All I did was I just made several coats down the back of the bait, several coats with the airbrush down the back of the bait to get it to be more solid. I'm with, not a painter or anything, but it sounds like you need to have your pearls dialed in if you're wanting to do realistic and quality paint jobs. Like, it's... it's yeah. 
you oh, have yeah. to know how to do your pearls and you have to be able to do and that's 100 i mean it's not only the base but you also it seems like you use it to to finish for realism for everything like pearls everything. are everything when it comes to bait yeah that's Crank my motto that's my motto pearls are everything and and i have a new series coming out to prove that to the world um the series won't be available for a little while yet because i'm still working on them mm -hmm. But um, I have a whole series coming out with the pearls. And based both, on pearls. Based on pearls. And these are dynamic, dude. I'm fishing with them today, actually. Not today now, obviously. But, yeah. I mean, it, currently I'm fishing with them already um, because I want to see what they look like in different water conditions. I want to see, you know, how the light refraction gets them in different depths i mean i'm doing a lot of research i do that with most of the colors i paint um you know so when they when they when i paint them they work i make sure of it had to be cool though seeing yourself in bass i mean let's be honest you you expect to see yourself in bass master when you're on the bass master right. series when you're winning yeah. opens and angler of the years and that but uh there's a little bit of a gap in there a little bit of a gap, a little bit of a gap, but dude, that's gotta be very self-fulfilling and gratifying to be able to open up that magazine and see a major spread in the biggest fishing magazine in the world. Yeah. I mean, it Mass was fishing. It, it was nice to be in there again. I mean, it's been a while obviously. Cause I, the last time I, the last time I was in that magazine, I think was 2010 when I fished the classic. Um, so 13 that was, years later yeah 13 years later which is crazy um you know my 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 bassmaster career um you know was pretty it was up and down but it was consistent um and you caught them when you were supposed to catch them and i think that's key that's yeah. key to longevity and sticking around is when you're supposed to catch them 90 percent of the time you were in the mix yeah. And so, but, so I got into the magazine quite frequently yeah. and it was very fun and exciting. Um, but you got to also remember Matt back then, um, we didn't have this platform. Oh yeah. You just had the magazine. That's we had the magazine, we had radio and we had television, um, and newspapers and stuff like that. Um, so getting into the magazine back then was everything because that's how you built your name. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that's how you did everything today with the advent of what we're doing today. Um, this is an astronomical benefit to the young anglers today because it's an easy form of promotion done properly. Obviously, you have to have integrity. You, you can't get up there and lie about crap. You got to tell the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts and people don't want to go there, but you got to go there um, mm -hmm. because that's what makes you relatable to the, to the common person because you are you're just a person like everybody else and it's got you got to understand so this this venue here fascinates me because i never had it um when i was fishing it came in very late on like when i was leaving the game this was starting to grow um and i wish i would have paid more attention to it in the beginning um like some of the other guys like Ben like, Milliken, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, that's what Jeffries did to get into right. it. Bass zone. I mean, when we early in the internet, early in the video, early in right. the first in the live first in the, 
podcast first in the live right. shows like I mean, oh yeah he, he had the foresight to do it when it was a pain in the ass to do it well when it nobody understood just a couple it. buttons yeah yeah nobody understood it either i, I mean i remember he you would know. be going to sponsors and he would his whole thing was to try to show them the value in live and the value yeah. in the internet and a show like that and and there were a lot of them that didn't that went with it because of how well he had done with the fish. Okay. And the bass zone website, but right. just, I mean, now it's just taken for granted. Well, I mean, it is now, it, now it's actually, I don't, I don't won't say it's taken for granted, but now it's expected. It's, yeah. com it's more commonplace. I mean, yeah. when you guys started all this, okay. And remember, Matt, you're part of it. You were part of it back in the beginning too. I wouldn't have done it. I mean, Mark started it. Mark started it. He gets the hundred percent credit for that. I came okay. on early, but Mark is the one who started all of it. Okay. So, so when it, when, when he started, it, it was brand new. People didn't understand yeah. it. And so now you look, just take a peek at this kind of platform, not just in the fishing arena. Okay. You've got, you've got, um, like regular bat ball sports, yep. stuff like that. So you enter big play sport network. Which we are um, uh, simul streaming on Big Play Sports Network too, a Ohio-based sports company. Correct. So they're doing bat ball stuff with professional athletes. Um, you know, just like we do the bass stuff, they're doing the sports stuff, and now they're putting us on there too because they want that outdoor venue too as well. And so, so you look at how far it's come. This be this has become the new. This is the new platform. I mean, this is where it's at today, you know, and, and just if you don't believe me, just look at all the new podcasts that pop up on, on any any subject matter you can possibly look up. Mm -hmm. It's there. So you talk about where it is now, but uh, we opened the show with a little bit about I mean, it, say what you want. I don't know. But how exactly we've talked about how you got into it, like kind of professionally and with. Mm -hmm. Pradco, but when you first started this, there's a pile of people who start fishing. There's very few of them who start fishing and say, I think I can do it better. Or when something yeah. doesn't exist, they say, I think I can make it. And that's right. what you did. How did, how did that kind of come about from starting fishing to actually starting tinkering with stuff before it was even a dream that you could do it professionally? Well, the, when I was a kid, um, I was watching In Fisherman with my dad. And, and actually, when I, when I say I was a kid, I was a kid. I was probably 13. Yeah. And I was watching In Fisherman with my dad. And we're, we're watching Al Linder do his thing. And I got, my, I got my sketchbook out and I'm doing something. And my dad's like, well, you're not even paying attention. And I'm like, I know everything he just said. And I could literally relay it almost from memory. And so, cause back then we had fishing facts and in fishermen. And, and if I'm not mistaken, fishing facts was first and then in fishermen was born out of fishing facts, but magazine, but anyway, so he goes, what, what are you doing? So I said, well, dad, if he's talking about these fish are eating bluegills, why don't they just make a lure that looks like this? And I hold up this drawing of a bluegill. I did, I erased the fins off of it and just put hooks on it in a bill. You know, and he goes, oh, because I don't know, you know, and then sure enough, three, <laughs> year, three years later, they come out with the lifelike lookalikes. Was that a Bagley's? Yeah. Yeah. Three years later, they came out with baits that look like bluegill and crappie, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 
And so then I thought I was too young to know any better back then. And then it happened several more times from me as I was growing up, still not a, still not what I would consider an adult, (laughs) but older. And, um, I had thought of some ideas and never acted on those ideas. And then sure than crap, they come out. And I'm like, I better start thinking about this a little more because, because if I'm thinking about this before it's happening, maybe I can get involved in this industry. Mm -hmm. And so when I, I'll never forget it in, when I got interviewed for the sponsorship from, from, um, Pradco outdoor brands, Wait, when I, got, well, you skipped way too much stuff there. So you, okay. you were fishing the opens, you had made the elite series already. You had said like, how did that even like, what, where were you as far as oh, angling? Okay. okay. So, so this, th- I'm still, a, I'm still a boy. I'm, I'm, you know, 13. Um, when I was 15 years old, I believe, Bassmasters went to Thousand Islands. Bo Dowden won the tournament flipping a black and blue jig in the eelgrass. Okay. I'll That'll never, never happen again. It'll <laughs> never happen again, but I'll but I'll never forget it. I will never ever forget it because I didn't know that you could make money fishing tournaments. And so I told my father, I said, I'm doing that for a living. And he went, no you're not you know you're getting a job in a company and you're going to start out sweeping floors and then someday you're going to run that company you can you're going to school you know you're doing all this stuff and and so so every time i wanted to put my foot forward we'll call it the laws of society were telling me no that's not how expectations right that's not what you're going to do you're going to you're going to get a job. You're going to work nine to five. You're going to, you know, do this. So in the back of my head, it was burning me alive because all I ever wanted to do is exactly that. And so, um, I never stopped fishing ever. And I hunted a lot too, with my dad back then. My dad was no offense pops, but you, he sucked as a fisherman. He was the worst. Um, (laughs) We, we would go, we would go places and I'd go, dad, we're doing this all wrong. You know, you got to go here. You got to do this. You got to, you know, and he'd be like, oh, Mr. Know-it-all do what you want. And then we'd start smashing fish and he'd be like, okay. So anyhow, the long and short of the story is, um, I fished semi-pro stuff while I had my nine to five job in marketing of all things. Mm -hmm. Didn't know how that was going to help me, but in marketing. Um, and then I, if you don't mind, what type of stuff were you marketing? I don't know. How I, deep you went, yeah, but I was, do, I was doing, um, furniture retail advertising, um, not only on a local level, like furniture chain stores yeah. in the area doing their marketing and advertising, but I was also the manufacturers of the furniture. I, I was also doing advertising for them that they can then take my program to their dealerships and go, here's add one for this, you know, for Labor Day. Here's add one for Black Friday. Here's, you know I what I mean? You. So there's and, some creativity in in that job that's going to, at the time that you don't know, that is going to benefit you down the road. Yeah, the creativity part of it benefits me for this stuff. Yeah. Ah, benefits me for this <laughs> stuff as I put impale myself again with a number two Gami, but, um, 
um, the marketing and the advertising actually helped me sponsor-wise bigger than anything I would have ever imagined because I never, and again, it's a small digression. So let's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I never approached the sponsor and said, you should pay me because I could catch fish. I always approached the sponsor with the marketing mentality. So when I approached them, it was always cost per thousands, how many people I'm going to reach, demographics, et cetera, et cetera. So when I, had, when, I had, when I would show up with my portfolio for, to go present to a potential sponsor, it was all marketing and advertising numbers. I didn't have, I had, a, I had one. You were talking their language. 100% because they all they give a crap about is selling stuff. So how are you going to help them sell it? You're not going to help them sell it by catching a bass. You're going to help them sell it by the promotions they by the marketing promotions you can do for them and by the amount of people you can reach. And so that's how I approached all my sponsorships. So in the beginning of my professional bass fishing career, I had, as uh, after my rookie year, I had one of probably the top 20 sponsor programs, mm-hmm. money-wise, on tour. And because I wouldn't, Davey Height said something to me when I made the classic. He said, Frank, he goes, people are going to approach you. And if you take less money than you need, you'll never get the money you need to do this professionally. So I'll, and I'll never forget, I never forgot that he said that. So when I started going after sponsorships, I never, I never gave away my billboard or the boat wrap. It wouldn't give it away. So when people would talk to me, they'd get, you know, they'd get their little four and a half inch logos or whatever. And I would sell those and I would hold, I held back on my title. Now, Triton in the beginning, Triton got the title, but they yeah, also he had to. They also gave me a boat. Yeah. So I'm I'm like, I don't have a choice. After that, I realized that you can't make a living like that. I need I need a real title sponsor, and it has to be outside this arena. It has to be a non-endemic. And so, so that's where I spent my efforts. And then my title sponsor, OSI Sealants and Adhesives, contacted me out of the clear blue. It was actually their marketing agency that contacted me. And so when I went into that meeting to Wait, so someone contacted you from who did exactly, basically what you had done before you fished. Correct. So you were in marketing agency. And then you got Correct. contacted by a marketing agency Correct. once you are no longer in a marketing agency. Correct. And I almost So you understood the hell out of every little aspect of what oh, was going we, on. All we talked about was the numbers. We didn't even talk about fishing. They didn't even give a crap about the fishing part of it. Um now you need the fishing part of it. Mm-hmm. You need you the be fishing there. part of it because you got to be the player. You got to be a, you know, you got to be mm-hmm. a player. I mean, it's like any sport out there. Um, just because you got a uniform on doesn't mean you're getting paid. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to be the player. So, but understanding that part of it and understanding how to sashay my way through the media part of it 
even though when I was having bad seasons, I was still able to garnish enough media exposure to warrant what they were paying me based on personality mm-hmm. and based on knowing what I need. I know what I, I knew what I needed number wise. So I made sure I never fell below that number. Um, that was very critical. So I guess we're at the stage now of this. So no, what no, 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 you're at a, we, we kind of jumped ahead. You're at a marketing agency and you're fishing semi pro. So okay. what you made so, it, or you made it to the elite series or like, how did it go from marketing yeah. agency to no marketing agency? Well, what happened was, um, I was, I was, I'm trying to remember this because this was, this was my first season on the elites. Yeah. So it would have been 2006. Was you, were no, you there the first year of the elite? Oh, okay. So it wasn't it was, called it was the, the elites until it was tour, the top, yeah, the top 150s. Okay. Right. So what happened was I was on my way to New York to fish a couple of tournaments in New York, Bassmaster events. And my, <clears throat> I got a message on my phone from a, a, a lady that said, hey, I got to ask you some questions about sponsorship. And it was vague. And there was no introduction of, hey, this is so-and-so mm-hmm. advertising but agency. You were working full-time and fishing. Yeah, well, I had just quit my job. Oh, okay. So it was real then. It was for real. I had just quit my job. I got all my customers that I had. I gave them all to my buddies that were in the industry. Um, and the bad customers that I had, I just told them I'm done. Um, <laughs> the good customers I gave to my buddies, yeah. the bad customers let go because you don't. nobody needs a bad customer. So anyway, so the long and short is I'm on my way to New York. I'm literally driving down the street playing the phone message and i'm like oh my gosh this lady wants to talk about sponsorships it's probably one of the guys i know locally that fish locally um they want to pick my brain about how to get a sponsor or something i'm not calling i'm not calling because i got i'm focused on i got to be focused on what i'm doing because i got to cash some checks because i don't have a job so now i got to cash some checks i get I get to the end of my street and I go, if I don't call this lady back, I'm the biggest a-hole in the world because then I'm, you know, preoccupied. So now you're big league in her. Right. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, I'll call. So I call. And when I, when they answer the phone there, and I'm not going to say the ad agency name, but it's a three, three name ad agency. They're like, blah, 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 and blah, blah. And all of a sudden, in my head, the bell goes off. So I go, yeah, is Marilyn there? Just a minute, please. And so the, the lady gets on the phone with me. She goes, we have a very good client that's interested in sponsoring you for Bassmasters. I said, okay, cool. I said, I'll be home in a month, <laughs> and I'll see you when I get home because I'm on my way to a bunch of tournaments right now, and I'll be gone for a month. She goes, no, you don't understand. We need to see you today. I'm like, okay. I flip the truck around. I drive home, back it in the driveway, unhook it, run in the house, put a suit and tie on, hop in my car and drive to the ad agency. And I cut my first monster deal that day. And I called my wife and I said, this is my full-time job. We're in, baby. 
Look, I'm getting emotional over this shit, man. I'm literally getting Wild. emotional over and it. And all that happened in six hours. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so why do you think they picked you? They were a local company. Um, they wanted a local pro. And um, after a while, it was because they liked my personality. Yeah. But they didn't know your personality at the time. They just knew you were Frank Scalish, who's fishing the top 150s right. in the arena that they wanted to advertise in from Ohio. Well, they're na- they're an international company. Yeah. Um, and so what wound up happening was I wound up becoming their, a spokesperson for their product. And we wound up doing some of the coolest, most amazing. So that's also just fortunate that you hit it off with these guys. Cause it could have just been a deal where everything was fine and you got a year or two out of it. But then I'm assuming in the deal, you start meeting people behind the scenes and then developing friendships and relationships and you're not even doing it. It just, it was just a great match. Those guys are some of the best guys on the planet. Um, I, in the beginning, I was a little bit nervous uh, because I didn't know them. Yeah. So I studied. Yeah. It's a good thing. I turned the truck around. No shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, so I didn't know them very well. So the first thing I did was I studied the heck out of their products mm-hmm. and it was all contractor, subcontractor stuff, subflooring compounds, you know, window stuff, every, everything Which you knew account. nothing about. Zero. Double zero. And so I wound up researching, studying, researching, studying. I even called them up and asked them a million questions. So then we would have, we had a, we had a photo shoot. I'll never forget this. It was the most ridiculous thing I ever saw in my life. So said advertising agency set up a photo shoot. Um, and I had to go to do this photo shoot and it was the funniest thing on earth. And it's not, it's not a slam on the marketing mm-hmm. agency yeah, yeah, by yeah. any stretch. What it is, it's about due diligence and doing your homework. Just like I had to research every product that OSI Sealants created and what it was used for and how the marketing agency should have done the same thing about the Bassmaster game. So I, I go to this photo shoot and the building is in the round. Okay. There's no corners in it. I go to get the boat in the building and I have to back the boat into the building, but it's only wide enough for the boat. Mm-hmm. All right. I can't make the turn to get it to go around this tunnel that I got to get into to get inside this building. Okay. So hear me out. I'm, I'm actually fuming PO'd because it's like, this is the dumbest thing. We How did they done. expect me to get in here? They knew I was coming with a trucking boat. Correct. So, so I, 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 pull the truck forward. I slam it into park. I jump out of the truck and I start taking the boat off the trailer because now we're going to have to manually wheel it in this building. So I'm taking it off the trailer. These people come running out of the building. What are you doing? What are you doing? I go, I'm supposed to be here for a photo shoot. They go, we know you're going to get dirty. You can't touch nothing. You're going to, I go, what? I go, you guys don't, you're not going to, 
So the, we get 10 people. We got this boat off the truck. Yeah. We're, we're jockeying it through the entranceway to get it in the building. We get it in the building. Big spread of food. I mean, this is like, this is like, this is the Hollywood big bullshit. Okay. Big spread of food, big, all this stuff. And all I'm thinking is how much money are these guys spending on this? Mm -hmm. And what kind of photography are we getting out of this building? So I get in the boat, we stage, you know, hook sets, we do all this stuff and we're in a building. There's no water there. No, we're in a building surrounded by, it's like a big green room, just a big giant but it's white. It's actually light gray, big room. Anyway, so we're doing all this stuff. And I said, uh, what are you doing? And they said, well, we're going to drop water down in a background. And I said, well, then we got to change the angle of the boat. They go, what do you mean? I go, the boat doesn't sit like that in the water. They're like, what do you, I go, the boat doesn't sit like that. It's going to be like that. So we got to lower the trailer. We got to make it so that when you drop the surrounding around it, it looks normal. And so, so I'm working with the people at the thing about this. So we do all this stuff. And so they go, Hey, check this background out. And so they drop in this background. They drop in this back. That's it, dude. That's, that's one of the pictures. Yeah. So you see the mountain in the background. I'm good, I'm good Frank. You are the best. So you see the mountain in the background. Yeah. Okay. So you see the tree line in the foreground. Yeah. I told them you got to take the mountains out because it was a mountain lake. <laughs> there was nothing but mountains around me. I said, you got to get the mountains out. We need a flat tree line somewhere in there. It can't look like I'm in the Rocky Mountains. It's got to look like so I'm on that a lake. photo of you on the boat. You are not a, on the boat. You are in a building in a building in a building in downtown Cleveland. Yeah. In a building. And that's what you showed up wearing a black turtleneck, the black OSI. You're pushing your boat through and They're going, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Right. hundred percent, 100%. And so, so I had them, I had them, I said, you got to get rid of every mountain in the foreground. You got to do get rid of the high peaks in the background with snow on them. So <laughs> we, we literally took the background out, dropped a different sky on there, took the, took between me and the mountain out, put a flat tree line in there because I had to make it look like I had to make it look like it was on a lake. Right. So I can see their computer. Yeah. Cleveland looks nice that time of year. <laughs> These guys are the best fans on earth, man. So, so what happened was I'm looking at a computer screen while they're, changing the background and i'm telling them no 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 yes yes no no yes change that do this right so here's what happens i find out that we're going to the trade show in and i think it was uh, um um disneyland in orlando okay? okay and so they go hey you're gonna we're gonna have you're gonna that picture this picture is gonna be you know, 200 feet long on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh, cool. Cool. You know what I mean? Cool. Uh, whatever. And, um, <laughs> dude, I get there and here's what I missed on the computer screen. There's freaking icebergs floating around in that lake <laughs> because, <laughs> because it was, <laughs> 
so, some real early season bass, mountain yeah. bass. Exactly, dude. So there's ice patches floating around on the lake. So when I got there, I saw that <laughs> thing. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, that's, oh. So, that's such a good story. That's one of my favorite stories. But those guys at OSI were the absolute best people to work with on earth because they would call me up and go come down here. So I, and they were only 20 minutes from my house, their headquarters. So I would rip over there and they go, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know, let's do a promotion. You know what I mean? So we would make stuff up, make promotions up. Mm -hmm. And one of my deals was we cross promote all my sponsors and everything I do. No sponsor gets singled out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yamaha tried to do that back then. It was, I was with Yamaha and um, Yamaha tried to do that to me. And um, I said, no. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not doing your photo shoots in a Yamaha jersey. And then you're doing them all in your main jersey. Right. Yeah. Because be, and they said, well, what's going to happen? I said, well, when my title sponsor wants to do seven million cases of product with your logo on them, I'll just tell them, take it off. Yeah. Because it's their product. Yeah. And they go, what do you mean, 7 million cases? I go, yeah, that's what we're working on. Your logo is going to be on all their product cases. You know what I mean? And so I got all, all my sponsors cross-promoted. And we did good things. We gave boats and motors away. We did all kinds of crazy stuff with those guys. Uh, listen, before we well, – this will have to be a two-parter. But before we move on, I will say that I, th I feel like – and you never know. There's people listening in all corners of the world that we should go full circle here. There's the OSI tougher than the element sealant website right there. And should, should, should a scalish decide to enter the opens next year, that would be pretty badass to come full circle. Just it saying. would be, it would Just be saying. Very someone cool. out there from a marketing agency or, or OSI. I think that, uh, I think that would be a, that'd be a <laughs> cool phone call. Man, you need to wait, you need to wait always... until Frank leaves for the tournament. And then you need to call his cell phone. Right say, when I'm hey, at we the need end to of my street. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that that's that's how and that, that lasted how many years? Ten. Which is a monster, monster non-endemic for ten monster. years. Yeah. I talk to the guys now who have non-endemics. It's weird because they're the top of the guys that are my age, right? So I've kind of would say I've grown up with them and I could I could ask him stuff that's inappropriate to ask business-wise right, right, to right. other people. You could be like, hey, what the hell are you getting for this? And stuff like that and everything. And it's amazing. Right, and, they'll, and they'll tell you. Yeah, but the top, the D top guys now with non-endemics, they look at it. In few exceptions, there's a couple like OSI exceptions like that with guys. But for the vast majority, it's, hey, these marketing agencies change. The people they in do. charge change. They're looking for a quick hit for a couple years to fill a niche. If it lasts anything more than two years, it's an absolute bonus. Right. It's a miracle. Yeah. And and here, OSI did change hands. Um, which is what happened, which is why it ended. Which is why it ended. Yeah. That's, that's correct, which is exactly why it ended. Um, and it was very... Um, for me, it was the most disappointing thing ever because it's all I ever wanted to do is be mm -hmm. a professional bass angler. And um, but you and couldn't I, be angry because it lasted ten years. I couldn't be angry. That's a it weird feeling. Yeah, it lasted ten years. I fished pro for eleven. It lasted ten. Um, the unfortunate 
thing was the last year I won angler of the year and made another classic and had to stop fishing. But that um, proves your point that they care that the fishing is there to get secondary. you there, That's but right. their main focus is on what you can do for the company, not what you're doing on the water. Correct. So here your fishing ability just gives you credibility mm-hmm. in the industry to garnish the media exposure you need to get. Mm-hmm. The only thing companies care about is the exposure and, and, and how much business they can generate off of your likeness period They They don't care if you can catch a fish, you ha- you better catch them so you can keep getting the exposure, but they don't care because when you stop catching them, they'll go on to something else. Mm-hmm. It's, ju- it's just like bat and ball sports. If you're, if you're playing baseball and you're hitting the ball a ton and then you stop hitting the ball a ton, um, your value goes way down and they find somebody else to fill the void. Hey, his on base percentage is better. We're taking him. You're out. Um, Cause all you are is a tool and you yeah. have to remember that you're just a tool. <laughs> There's, <laughs> That There's the t-shirt. Great. You're yeah. you're a tool. <laughs> and, that's all you, and that's all you're that's gonna all you'll be ever is a be. tool. So don't, right. don't forget uh, it. Let's save let's save part two for another show because that was a lot of really good stuff there that I really enjoyed it. That was just kind of leading up to how you started painting. We haven't even gotten involved. I thought there was a bomber on your jersey back then. Oh, yeah. Silver we haven't too. even gotten into how that relationship started. If you're willing to share that, yeah. I would love to save that for another show that we can kind of dive into part two of that. Let's just do a four-hour show right now. <laughs> well, we've got some other stuff. Speaking of yeah, um, no. value we'll, we'll- to companies, we do have to touch on what's going on over at Lurinet because there's some, some imminent imminent or no Im, uh, some deals that end soon before Correct. next Thursday that we need to, that we need Correct. to talk about, but thank so, you for sharing that. That was some good stuff. I had no clue about that. Yeah. No, most people don't because it's not something that I readily, you know, talk about. Yeah. It was amazing. But, but yeah, part um, two, I would love to know about the whole, because that, if that happened back then, so that would have been that when that photo shoot happened, would have been, you said 2002. It would have that photo shoot took place in 2001. Okay. And you already had some current Pradco brands on your jersey back then. So you're talking about a 23 to 25 quarter century relationship with these brands? Yeah. 2001 is when I started getting all my sponsorships tightened up. Um, Because I, because I, my first year on the, my first year in the opens, I qualified for the pro tour. Mm-hmm. Um, must be nice. Frank must be nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it must be. <laughs> and then, then my first, <laughs> then my first season on the uh, uh, pro tour of the show Elite, up whatever. and qualify. Yeah, I know, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh-huh. uh, that, then on the, on the first season on tour, I made the classic. Um, I think I finished 30th in the points and made the classic. And that's when everything, that's when I got hooked up with Bomber and Silver yeah. Thread and all the brands. And we'll and dive into how that worked and how you stayed with mm-hmm. them in the second half. Got it. Got that's it. a good tease. So, so here, so, so because for the, for the loyal listeners, watchers of this podcast, um, 
BTL has a code, BTL23. It's going to be 15 Capital BTL23. Capital, my bad, my bad. Capital BTL23 for the loyal listeners, um, 15% off. This is going to go on for the entire rest of the year till uh, December 31st. Regularly priced items, that's key because we've had some people in past ones who use it and they're like, hey, the code doesn't work. That's because if you're doing sale items, specialty items, stuff that's, it doesn't work for that. But if you want to go on and get some DD22s, or something right. that at lure net that's regularly priced use that code btl23 you can use it multiple times it's not a one and done it's for bto listeners when they order Correct. from lure net to go in and get 15% off regularly priced items code capital right. btl23 lurenet.com sorry no you're good dude thank you you're good man and then of course there's going to be tons of labor day specials so you're just going to have to go on lurenet.com and look and see what the specials are for for the times they're short they're short run specials so you have to look at that right um, now through nine six bandit one and two hundreds are 20 percent off which is fantastic because i think the bandit 200 um i think people forgot how what a great fish catcher the 200 bandit what's your is. favorite give me a couple of your favorite colors in the 200 my absolute all-time favorite color in the 200 back in the day was um root beer and and Rupert Chartreuse. There it is right there. Yeah, back in the day. That was that I caught so many fish on that. It was ludicrous. Um but speaking about colors, um pay attention to the paint shop because I am going to have a lot of my colors coming out this year in the paint shop. And I will always tell you guys that it's one of my colors. Um when it's one of my colors. So so you'll know which ones they are but that doesn't mean overlook all of them because some of the colors are coming up are pretty decent colors i mean we're 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 planning a a year to a year and a half out on the paint shop so i know some of the things that are coming out and there's some really good stuff coming out so keep an eye on that i would crazy crappie crazy crappie is one of mine why is that only in a 300 though? Because it's a crappie color, but would that, I don't understand. Would that not be an awesome plug to crank? I mean, yeah, it looks it, like a brim. It looks like a crappie. It's got yeah. some dirty water colors. Yeah. I, I, it might come out in the 200 later. I don't know, but right now it's in the 300. Uh, the, all those crappie colors on your, mm-hmm. go back. All those crappie colors are mine. Yep. Um, I basically those are the, for the crappie guy. And I know this isn't a crappie show, but for the crappie guy, um, trolling the band at 300 is a big crappie technique. Can you not crank and crank a 300 too? I got a bunch of 300 that I just cast and crank on like 10 pound flora or mono. Absolutely. I do the same thing. Absolutely. In fact, I'll fish the 200, 300 as a combo. So, so what I'll do is when I'm in the depth range for the 200, I'm throwing the 200. When the break drops a little bit, I'll parallel the break with the 300. Um, it's great for retaining walls in marinas and stuff like that, where they dredge out for the sailboats. That's a, that's a killer right there. All right. That's a good show today. Yeah, it's funny because um, it's a part, like, I got emotional, man, because I I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the one moment that you've wanted to do since you were 
10 years old or 13, whenever you found out you could do it, but that's the biggest hurdle in it. You've already put, you've already risked things. You've got a family. You're trying to do it. And this is literally the second that came out of nowhere where, where it was, Oh my God, I'm going to be able to do like, this is what I needed to happen to be able to actually realize my dream. I don't think there's many people that can point to that exact moment well, I, I, I can change yeah and i can tell you this for a fact when i packed to leave for those two those couple tournaments in new york i i looked at my wife i said this could be my last gig i said this could be it if, if, if i don't start generating money somehow i'm gonna have to go back to work this isn't gonna this ain't gonna happen and um so it all it all happened in the same like i literally said that to her when i was leaving and then the and then I made the phone call, called them, called that lady back. You know what I mean? And I wasn't yeah. going to. I'll be honest with you guys. I wasn't going to because I didn't know what it was in reference to. They said nothing. They said nothing. You know, if they would have said who it was, I would be like, "Woo, I'm calling right now." <laughs> oh, oh uh, before we go, talk just talk a little bit because I I talked with you briefly about this. I'm not exactly sure what. The status is I've mentioned it, the day four shirts that are coming out for the fall release. What I know you've talked with, let's say at ATS printing, they're the premier printing company of fishing and fishing related apparel in the world. Yeah. Uh, John Gilman was actually on the show on a regular BTO. We did the media event from Michigan. He opened up the show, shows you where the, the printing presses and everything are that it comes. But you had some questions and I know you talked with them kind of at, at length about it. Yeah. I'm waiting for their response to come back, um, to see they're going to, they're going to, um, look at the illustrations that I sent them and we've discussed, you know, what type of shirts they're going to be on, how, how I really wanted them printed on the shirt. Um, and so I haven't got, they haven't gotten back to me yet. So I'm going to have to call them and see where we're at on that. But the illustrations, they're four color. One of them's a four color illustration. One of them's black and white. Um, they're going to be really cool. And I'm just, we're just going over, mm-hmm. you know, shirt material. But it's going to be like a that. Guy Harvey design, a sketch mm-hmm. with your signature on it. Yeah. That's going to be screen printed. Yeah. And, and however that's what, they're going to do it. Right. So, so basically that's what, that's what we talked about. I didn't want a heavy screen. Yep. Um, something lighter, something that's more almost like sublimation. And yep. we talked about sublimation, but the, the problem with the sublimation is they can only put it on polyester. Yeah, we don't want polyester tea. Because so, we're going high end tea, just like we did with the first right. stuff. So we're talking yeah. we're talking a shirt that'll probably be between uh thirty-three and thirty-nine dollars. Yeah, something like that. With the four I'm, colors and the high quality, and we're only gonna do a limited run of them. Right. hundred of each shirt. Exactly. Because what I don't want to do is to, to have a great design and to put it on garbage clothing. It's useless. Uh, dude, you're the one who got me on that last with that hoodie. Cause that was like a $68 hoodie. And you're like, I don't care. I don't care if it's a hundred dollar hoodie. I want it on yeah. a hoodie that I'm going to wear. And that hoodie is, I mean, Oh, that's the bomb. <laughs> that is the hoodie. <laughs> yeah, that's the bomb, dude. Like I, like I can't wait till it gets cold so I can start wearing it. Need, need uh, Frank to, <laughs> to, to build you a Hawaiian shirt. 
I'm going to have to get, I noticed that I was posting some pictures on Instagram and every picture I'm, in, I'm wearing this damn shirt. So I got to get, I have to get different shirts now because uh, they all look like it's the same day. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, anything else before we wrap things up here? What are we going to call this one? What do I, we got to call it? Uh, paint your own paint, crankbait. I don't know. <laughs> paint and history. Yeah, I mean it's because because realistically it's it wasn't uh, it wasn't all that much about painting. It was more about the history of how it came to be. Yeah, we got to figure it out because we got the archives. We have to put it in there. I have to put a title. I think uh, I think just I don't know paint and history because he talked history. a little bit about it. Because I mean this whole episode kind of spawned with the uh, with your four page article in the current Bassmaster edition. All right, we'll call it paint and history. Paint and history. I like that. That works. Uh, let's see if the music's working now. It is. <laughs> we got it. it. Well, sometimes it. it gets a little wonky. I don't know. Have you ever heard it where it's like, wah, 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 wah? <laughs> yeah, I did a couple of times. But, but dude, that was from before, not, not from recent yeah. episodes. It works now. All right. This has been another edition of Day 4 with the man Frank Scalish. We'll see everyone next week.